You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here, with always... Typical Lydia. Today we're going to be talking about The Loved Ones, a 2009 film from Australia. Did you like it? I did. The original decision to do this is because February is... Women in Horror Month. Women in Horror Month. And it seemed like an appropriate film to do. I'd never seen it, so I was going off of what Lydia had to say. She texted me and said, no, we're doing this. We're going to do Women in Horror Month. It's going to be a film switching things up, but in a very intelligent and subtle way. And somewhat unexpected as well. By the end of it, you sort of realize that, oh my God, this is a final boy film. And I love a final boy film. And there's not a lot to choose from, really. Not really. Aren't they aren't doing it for the sake of it being a final boy film? They're not trying to shove this uh, gender swap down your throat at all. It's almost like an accidental feminist film in a way. Because I had watched it and enjoyed the living shit out of it. I loved this film the first time I watched it, and it wasn't till weeks later that it was like the eureka moment. Because I was sort of thinking like idly, you know, Women in Horror Month is coming up. I always do like to do something. I like to do something in my own style. Uh, For Women in Horror Month, my favorite thing I did for Women in Horror Month was talk about women photographers that take horror photography. That was one of my favorite things, talking about um, Dana Brachette and Shimona Henry. So that was something that a lot of people weren't focusing on. So I like to focus on things that people aren't necessarily focusing on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what films people are going to be talking about in the next month. A lot of awesome films. And they're going to be talking to a lot of awesome filmmakers and a lot of awesome actresses and a lot of... And hopefully someone will talk to... Uh, female camera operators because there's not a lot of those in the industry at all and it would be mm-hmm. just a gem to dig up some be interesting yeah oh yeah uh camera operation and especially people who can uh fly steady cam that's pretty rare i've I've never met a female camera person at all at mm-hmm. all at all so that'd be brilliant but i don't this film has been a lo- around a little longer than i even thought i thought it came out like last year but you're saying 2009 2009 mm-hmm. um in Toronto, uh, at the Toronto Film Festival, and then uh, t- uh, I think the next, the following year, it actually hit in Australia. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. That's a fun release schedule. Yeah, yeah, I, but that happens a lot of times. Uh, countries of origin will not get things first, so they'll want to do like a tour with the in film festivals. American Mary comes to mind. It was like one of the last yeah. <laughs> last places that I could get. Yeah. A fucking DVD of it. Oh, yeah. And that was was a pain. And they heard a lot of, not complaints, I suppose maybe complaints, but a lot of feedback about, hey, when can we see it here in Canada? I know. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear a peep about this movie, really. And it's not like I'm constantly on the circuit reading every review everyone ever puts out. So much comes out. I tell people that all the time. And they go, oh, yeah, Wes, he's a real big horror fan. And they'll say, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Fuck, man. I, f- I start feeling embarrassed because someone... <laughs> but, like, they'll name five films and I've maybe seen one of them. 
And, and, and I was like, oh, I thought you were a horror film. I'm like, yeah, a, a horror buff. But I was like, I am, but I'm not, I, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not just constantly, I'm not watching like two movies a day, guys. Yeah. I don't see everything that comes out. And, and, and again, that's kind of the point of this podcast and the point of spiderpictures.net was for me to discover things that I had missed and that, and, and I, it's like, look, if I've missed this. I bet you other people have too, and this is a great movie, so let's talk about it. Oh, completely. And I really hope a lot of people haven't missed loved ones, and maybe I'm the one that's in the dark. Maybe but we I... both are. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is just one of those big things, like it was trending on Twitter or something like that, and we have no idea. We're just like, ah, uh, what? The loved ones? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I stumbled upon it on Netflix. Like, I stumble upon, like, anyone stumbles upon any, anything on Netflix. And Seems to be a trend. I think like three, three or four of the episodes we've done so far are just random Netflix finds. Yeah, totally random. That's why I do want to dig more into our collections. Into our, you have a vast personal collection of I plastic. Do, of plastic. Um, yeah, I have, I have a, I have a hidden collection of plastic down there. Yeah. Yeah. No, my uh, my horror movie collection is quite big. Uh, again, it's, a lot of those were donated to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the good readers of spotterpictures.net or the good listeners of the Dead Air podcast. People are very kind with those donations, and I did promise that 100% of all donations that go to the site go into us talking about these movies. And they do. Yep, they Which do. Is perfect that way. And I'm glad that you have a vast collection because you've got some real gems in there, even to the point that when something is on Netflix or on a streaming service or like a crunchy roll comes to mind, even though I haven't utilized it for the podcast yet. Um, if my internet doesn't work. <laughs> if your internet doesn't work or if we're not too sure if it's going to work. Yeah, then um, I'll bring to the rescue. Yeah, I'll bring I'll bring the hard copy. In which reminds me, I got another shipment from Amazon coming. New horror films. Yay! Excite. (laughs) (laughs) You need more plastic. I hate plastic. Um, I detest plastic. I always feel like you are kind of talking down to me when you refer to my movie collection as... Oh, Wes collects plastic. Stacks of plastic. I, I was just like, oh my god. Do I ever? But <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I even took my uh, audio CD collection and took all the jewel cases. Fuck your artwork. Screw your fucking inserts. Gone. Done. Donated to uh, Rebuilt Resources in North Bay. All this plastic is gone. I have the discs in a shoebox. I can fit so many of them in such a small space. And I burnt most of them to my removable hard drive. Because the discs are not, they don't last forever. They do get scratched, and I am rough on my belongings. So. Them being in a jewel case will make sure that they don't get scratched. Fuck your jewel cases. <laughs> They're not. I didn't invent them. Big, giant, gross, dust and grime collecting bastards. God, I hate them. I don't have that kind of room, man. Yes, you do. No, I don't. I want a nice, vast, clean, echoey, empty apartment. If it weren't for all these things in here, it would be just like that. You always want to make it seem like someone's just moving in or just moving out. Oh, yeah. That would be that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. Or I've cleared the entire... My favorite is when I've cleared the entire downstairs for a photo shoot. And it's all like swept and mopped and empty and clean and echoey. That's my favorite. Jewel cases would just screw that up. Don't tell them that the basement is the photo shoot area. <laughs> Everyone thinks that's where I live. <laughs> I meant this downstairs. Oh. Yeah. Not, not our, that downstairs. Not our deep, dark pit. Yeah. 
There's a deep, dark pit in the loved ones. I know, and I love that. Yes, let's talk about the film. Let's talk about the movie, yeah. Yeah. The basic plot of this film is we are open to a small town that is just getting ready for its senior prom. Or, yeah, or end of the year dance or prom. Yeah, they keep saying end of the year dance, but yes, it is a prom. Right. Um, These two friends, uh, one with a girlfriend, one without, ask out. Uh, the, the one without a girlfriend asks out this uh, gothy rocker chick. She says yes. Um, the uh, the main character, uh, was it Brent Mitchell? <laughs> Brent. Uh, he he um, gets asked out by this sort of weird nerdy girl. Or I don't know if she's a nerd, but she, she, she looks like the girl from... Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon yeah, Le- she immediately re- reminded us of her with her awkward look and her two pink shirt. Yeah, yeah, the, the way she was dressed and everything. Dead eyes. Dead eyes. <laughs> and awkward, sort of staring off to the side. Um, uh, he has a girlfriend, he says no. Uh, I guess politely as possible, just oh, yeah. sort of says no, no. Sorry, I'm going with so-and-so. So-and-so, and then we're off. Uh, sort of back way up, the, at the very start of the film, there's a scene that we've seen a lot. Uh, two people driving along the road, Brent and his dad. His dad's rocking out. His dad's rocking out, and they're, they're complaining about music. All of a sudden, there's a fucked up, shirtless, mutilated guy in the road, and they swerve car accident. There's been lots of films like this, starting out with finding the stranger on the road. Sometimes... Mm-hmm. Um, the stranger is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the times it is the previous final girl. Mm-hmm. But this is a boy. And that, it cuts from that and then we're sort of into the story. Yeah. So a few months later. We find out that uh, Brent's father died in that accident. And it was weird that they never kind of, a, they never addressed he saw a guy on the road that was all fucked up and mutilated. Did, did no one... What was that? Where did that guy go? Yeah, um, and he remembered him enough that, like, flash forward way until the end where there's some sort of memory of that. He did see him clearly enough. It wasn't like he doesn't remember that moment and it's not like he doesn't remember how awkward the guy or like not awkward but like odd the guy looked he mm-hmm. didn't he wasn't just a regular guy he certainly wasn't waving his arms like oh no don't hit me please he was stumbling around bloodied on the mm-hmm. in the road definitely memorable definitely noticeable he definitely noticed him but mm-hmm. they don't really talk about that at all um they don't really talk about the months in between because there was a huge personality shift in brent because when you see him at the beginning, he's a pretty happy kid, and he's a good relationship with his dad. There's a lot of good relationships with with parents in this film, mm-hmm. but he goes from a short haired, learning to drive, happy teen to a long haired, drug using, and that's made apparent within the next five minutes after that cut from a few months later. Mm-hmm. That he's, you know, we don't know if he's having trouble in school or anything. At least he still has a girlfriend. That's a good sign. Yeah. But he's doing drugs and maladjusted and become quiet and, and withdrawn. And he's a cutter. Mm-hmm. And he's a cutter. He is a cutter. He keeps a razor blade around his neck and... Uh, Very he... apparent mutilation scars on his legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was his torso. Was it his torso? On his side? Yeah. No, I thought it was on his leg. Oh, okay. 
Um, so uh, the kids definitely got a lot of Maybe issues. Maybe it is on his side. Sorry. I think it, I think it was. All the rampant shirtlessness going on in this film. There's there so much shirtless dudes. Yeah, there's some shirtless dudes. Shirtless yeah. ladies. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. Lot of, lot of shirtless. Um, so if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, there's all kinds of shirtlessness. Which I do. Yeah, totally. Now, um, the, the, the story takes an abrupt change from where we're kind of watching these two guys getting ready to go to the dance to now Brent is rock climbing. Or sort of, I, is it like, is he, yeah, he's rock climbing. Like, he, yeah, like, he's a little bit out of sorts because his mother has made it really clear that she's not, like, at first you would think because of the way that him and his girlfriend talk about this standoffish attitude they have about Brent's mother that they're you know, thinking like oh maybe she doesn't like the relationship maybe she doesn't like the girl or maybe, maybe she's just like, like a, an abusive drunk or yeah. something or... yeah there's something that he doesn't want his mom and this girl around one another which we find out is completely opposite what it really is is his mom doesn't want him to get in a car his mom doesn't want him to drive his mom doesn't want him to be in a car with a uh, inexperienced driver and she's yeah. a new driver and that's really all it is and it's all to do with the car accident so there's not harsh words but it is a really painful conversation they have all, although very very short there's mm. a lot of subtlety and subtext and these lines are really power packed in mm. every scene in this film is really power packed with like really small visual cues mm. that are just this wallop you with story uh, which is it's awesome and it's never overwhelming and it's never too subtle and it never shoves things down your throat really there's only one or two things that will eventually get to that where i find a little su- too subtle but the conversation they have is basically i don't want you to get in a car with her how are you getting to the prom take a cab and that upsets him because he's like basically calls his mother out and says, do you think i killed dad yeah a horrible conversation happens in very few lines mm-hmm. and it sets up it explains his attitude, explains so much right there, and it sets him up for where he's going to go, which is rock climbing. Um, a really beautiful, powerful scene. It, it was very, very well done because you... And, and here's... Here's why. When I... A lot of times when I see films where the the final... The final girl... Or the final boy, whoever, whoever ends up being the person that survives this ordeal. Yeah. If any, but most of the time there is. Uh, there's through the terror in which they're experiencing through torture or whatever, they find the will to survive and they sort of metamorphosize into a stronger being. And there's tons of artsy examples of characters birthing my favorite is still hell's run red when she comes out of that we're, can we're, of gore the can of gore and, and then so she awesome. is no longer like a victim she is now i am kicking ass and yeah, taking names completely empowered rebirthed rebirth um this time was the maybe not the the only time but the first time in a long time where they indicated to me that this guy has a very good survival instinct because there's a moment when he's climbing that cliff where he almost falls and despite his despair despite the fact that he's self-cutting and lives in this misery and extreme guilt from the death of his father and you think that maybe he's 
suicidal. Maybe he's definitely out there to test his will. He definitely uh, is. And 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 he has that moment where he's hanging off the cliff, almost in a meditative state. Um, and you're wondering if he's imagining what it might be. If what if I just let go all this misery I'm feeling? If I were to just let go of this cliff right now, it all my problems are gone. But in that moment where he almost does fall. No, I want to survive. I want to live. And he makes himself, and he like wills himself through strength to get back up to safety. And so, I was, oh, I love that scene. Because it really, and, and so it made his turn towards the end of the film completely believable. It, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, well, where are these hidden reservoirs of strength? Where, what, why is, why was he like, why can he all of a sudden survive? Why, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it, it showed his will to live was really strong despite his despair. Yeah. And I just not it. out of character at all. And they no. established that pretty, pretty quickly. It, it does have that the rock climbing scene happens pretty quickly in the movie. Oh, yeah. It's like less than 15 minutes in, oh, I yeah. think. I think I talked I, I, and I and I talked about it longer than I think the scene actually <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, it's true. Which is my talent. And they're really good. There's a lot of things. This is a good example of that, too, where they just really power pack a scene. There's yeah. not even any lines in that scene. There's no. nothing but him and a rock face, really. They don't do flashbacks. They don't do voiceovers. They don't mm-hmm. do any of the I don't want to say cheesy techniques but they don't rely on any other technique other than just him and the rock mm-hmm. at that point and what you already know about him it is really good but right after that scene we're right into the horror the horror uh, it he serves to put him out and vulnerable in the wilderness alone and, and alone and he gets chloroformed and dragged off and we don't see by who um, we later find out that he was taken by a creepy old guy, uh, Daddy Stone. Daddy Stone. Who is the father of Lola. Was it Lola? Lola, yes. Lola. Lola, Lola Stone. Princess Stone. Lola Princess Stone. <laughs> who was the the uh, girl that he that asked him out. Yeah, the at, at girl the, that we thought looked like the girl from Napoleon Dynamite. The dorky was. little quiet yeah. thing. They may look a little similar, but the stark difference <laughs> is... The fact that she's insane. Oh, completely. She's like completely insane. That meek kind of almost like that geeky, awkward girl in the hallway does not exist. Yeah. A girl who is just a control freak and needs to control her family, needs to control the the situation that she's in. and it's needs like rewired Stepford wife run, run amok. She's like this really? really fucked up 50s mom in the making. Yeah. 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 They, they they don't beeline for the obvious, I feel, in how her character is played. Uh, there is... Uh, the, the most sexual thing about it, honestly, seems to be the the subtle implications of incest within the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, but they don't out and out say that. I mean, Daddy Stone is like quite meek by comparison. He like seems to kind of just do whatever... She wants to make her happy. Yeah, and it's almost a shame. There's a few, two scenes at least, where he seems awfully ashamed about her behavior and him partaking in it. Yeah. Yeah. The one at the very beginning when she's getting changed and he's present. And he's, yeah. But as you pointed out, ashamed enough to to feel ashamed and to act ashamed, but not ashamed enough to look away. Yeah. 
Yeah, or and, leave the room. Or leave the room. You know, he's... he. So there's a part of... Like, it's weird. Like It's, it's very, very weird. Where It almost leads me to believe that she she has coerced him entirely into the what their relationship has become. Yeah. Although there are other clues to the contrary, which is the state of her mother who is there. Yeah. <laughs> I love her mother. Uh, uh, referred to as bright eyes. Yeah. I didn't think it was her mom until uh second viewing. I didn't I didn't catch that. Again, again, you blink and you would have missed the reference to it. Yeah. Right? And that's not I, there was lots of things where I feel like if I was watching it alone and my attention waned from it for a second, I would have missed a big plot point. Yeah. The, the idea behind this is she has captured Brent. A live boy. A live boy. Woo. To essentially be her date. There is tons of evidence to support that this is a reoccurring thing. She picks out a boy at whatever school. I guess the school, it's a small town, so I'm guessing the school. Yeah, the um, only school, probably. Yeah, I, I, over the years, like since she was little. Yeah, she's got uh, a scrapbook with photos, and she's got like almost kind of typical photos of me and my friends when I was six years old of, you know, us sitting there with a birthday cake and... Yeah. Except one of them's tied to a chair. At first you get the idea that she might have killed them all. And certainly, probably some of them died. But, um, and th- th- there's all this weird stuff going on. Very, it's very ritualistic. But, and, and so, first thing they do, they'll tie him to a chair and then they inject into their. I, I didn't know what they were doing. And you said it was bleach. Yeah, it's uh, like Clorox. It's the, the blue bottle. I don't yeah. even know if we have them here, but the, it's, um, well, obviously in Australia, but, um, Reminds me of things my British friends would have in their home. Clorox. Jagged, injected Not Javex. Into the, into the vocal cords with glee. Something that probably really hurts. But it, it basically disables someone from being able to really speak. Yeah, that's the very first really messed up thing that she does. And with that really messed up look on her face. She's pretty stoked on being able to inject his throat with, with bleach. She's pretty stoked that his heart is still beating. That's like, I think her only expression of any actual feeling is that she's glad that her dad chloroforming him didn't kill him. And she's also very glad that she gets to shut him up by injecting his throat with bleach. And the dad and her in this conspiratorial teamwork kind of fashion that they pull off, this like daughter daddy team, as soon as they inject them, they're all declaring we can't hear you. And it's hilarious because you're like, they've definitely done this before and they're definitely getting a kick out of this. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. And, and, and honestly, once uh, once um, that happens, uh, Brent, um, I think the actor's name is Xavier, uh, what was it? Xavier Samuel. He does a really great job, by the way. Oh yeah! Uh, everybody really does a pretty a pretty good job, but I really liked him in the movie. Um, He—that's uh, his last line. Yeah. In the entire film, here we are again with non-speaking roles. Non-speaking <laughs> roles, but it's awesome. you can. But like you know, it really gives someone an opportunity to to act without words, which is you know that's that's it's a lost art. So it's cool when you see it done well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and so you kind of go through. I think his only other word in there is toilet. 
And you can hardly hear him say it. Yeah, you can hardly hear him say it. Yeah. And when he's screaming, even his screaming is very hushed. And you want to know something? I, I was like, I'm so glad that his screaming is hushed. Because let me tell you something. And this, going back to uh, a lot of these types of horror films where somebody is getting tortured and there's a lot of screaming, I can sometimes find it very grating to listen to. Uh, most notably, the dinner scene in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I have... All it is. I have never... Not, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to stick to that. I have never heard screaming like that in any horror film that went on for so long. Like I was going to say like maybe the maybe the chick in uh Jaws 2 that just won't stop screaming every time the shark shows up, but I but I'm just I'm thinking no, I'm I'm going to say that this that 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 uh the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre takes the cake for screaming and and I was like, "Oh, that's just it's annoying me more than anything. Yeah, yeah. It does. It definitely. It grating is a good word. It definitely grates on the nerves. Like, if you're not in the mood for it, I just be like, oh, God, mute it just till the scene's over. Which is a shame because it's a great scene. And men don't typically scream as much. There are some uh, great torture scenes and uh, films that rely on that as a technique mm -hmm. where men are getting tortured and they are very vocal. But it doesn't have the same effect uh, as, a, as a woman screaming, which... It hits you on all kinds of emotions. There's that levels. piercing level. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and the emotional level too. And it is it, men just don't have the mm -hmm. the vocal cords. Um, in the burning, there was some good male screaming in there that hit the same sort of notes that women normally do. Um, but it gave it a whole new twist because he's he's stripped of his voice entirely. Yeah, and he's giving this horrible noise it is a it's, really it, it, horrible it is noise. gross it's almost like painful it, sounding it's painful sounding it's almost like if you had like a really really bad sore throat mm -hmm. and like if someone tried to make you laugh or something like that and you and this sound comes out and you're like oh my god what is that <laughs> noise i'm making yeah. it's like that except you know this dude's getting like steak knives hammered into his feet yeah and stuff like that gross yeah i'm glad that i i wish it, like the the gore hound in me is like ooh, the scene with the fork when she carves him up with a fork oh, i wish yeah. we could have saw that because yeah. we really only see the aftermath of that yeah but the sounds he would have made during that holy shit balls would have been off the hook because that looked painful the forks are sharp enough for cooked tender meat but like i don't know like how hard you would have to scrape someone to carve them up with a fork and what the, oh my god it, yeah. it, it was it was it was brutal but in a way the idea that she did it was more effective than actually seeing it or just as effective to me i feel as though like like i agree with you like the gorehound in you kind of wants to see that kind of stuff yeah. but at the same time i was like that leaves something up to the imagination like she did it you know she did it you know how she did it and you're just like Oh yeah, like, and you know it would have taken a while, and he's in a horrible state to begin with, and he's in a way worse state after, so it taxed him terribly, yeah. and he's bleeding profusely now. Oh, She's yeah. stoked on life, yeah, but J just really happy. But you know, Ugh. throughout throughout the whole thing, he does show defiance when she's screaming at him to cry, uh, and and he's trying to force feed him, yeah, yeah, chicken. and and he's and. 
like that crying scene where he's just looking at her like just really intense eyes saying like no no fuck y- you yeah. yeah like you're not getting that out of me mm-hmm. um you're dealing with a, a a kid that has like experienced in, like a lot of despair and is showing a lot of strength in this moment where he is completely vulnerable really yeah. like he's completely at their mercy and his again his will to escape has never goes anywhere he fights back um and and he goes through a lot of shit to get there oh, like yeah. you see a lot of men getting hurt and tortured in in films horror films and right away they're on the defensive right away they're fighting back right away they usually yeah. succeed and get away uh, unless they just get dead or their teeth pulled out or whatever <laughs> um well really yeah. um normally they are in a position where they get to use their their strength yeah. to their advantage where he is stripped of that immediately um he's unable to use his strength to his advantage he's they've bolted the chair to the floor which is great and i love this and every every wannabe killer out there needs to know that not only do you tie them up and tie them to the chair you bolt the chair to the floor don't so they can't give tip killers it over. pointers well don't know the films already do i'm not giving them pointers <laughs> okay Filmmakers out there. Filmmakers. <laughs> yeah. You bolt the chair to the floor. That was brilliant. That was my one of my favorite little tiny little tidbits. Other than her doll collection, that the chair is bolted to the floor. is great. So he has nowhere to go, really, truly. No. Um, but yeah, he goes through a lot of hell before he reaches that, I need to fight back. I've got to get out of here point. Mm-hmm. Where you see a lot of women being tortured in film mm-hmm. are forcing that they have their strength stripped from them they can't fight back they're not going to fight back then they have to get pushed mm-hmm. so this is a kid that's already being pushed and you know it so you know what he's got in him it's like a coiled spring tied to that chair yeah. and then he's put through the ringer by this psychotic freak of a female mm-hmm. before he gets a chance to mm-hmm. bust out and kick her ass back yeah yeah and even, like, Daddy Stone, while he's a participant, it's very, like, you can see he's excited, and he, but he's still very nervous. And, and also, he doesn't seem to like the fact, again, hitting on that incest. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem to... Jealousy hits. Yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't seem to like that she's giving all this attention to him. But again, he's, like, he is, he literally does whatever she says. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's crazy, because the performance... Uh, the performance given by uh, Daddy Stone is really, like, really terrifying in the sense that, like, he's just, like, he is, like, Coiled Spring applies to him, too, oh, like, yeah. where he is just on the cusp of losing his mind. And honestly, when Brent first gets away and climbs up to that tree, the giddiness and the excitement, uh, the energy that he explodes with, to come go after him and chuck those rocks and all that kind of stuff like it um it really uh it, oh, it was really intense it was something to see for sure yeah it is that thrill of the hunt scene too another thing with the camarader- camaraderie between the uh daughter and daddy duo yeah i i i love hate them i hate love them i don't want to admit what their relationship is because mm-hmm. it's never made 100 percent perfectly crystal clear thank god no they don't no when they do corner him outside it is a lot like um and i figured the only scene that really reminded me of it was the run rabbit run scene out of uh house of thousand corpses right where 
Otis and Baby are basically chasing down what turns into the final girl. And there is that sort of thrill of the hunt teamwork going on there and the real thrill. And they are giddy with anticipation of catching this person. They know they're going to catch them because they're on their turf and they're playing by their rules. By the time Baby catches up with her, it's the same sort of look that Lola has when Mm -hmm. they've finally got... Brent falling out of the tree like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's, Where you lost your shit laughing. Like, we might have well been watching Three Stooges. You thought that it was, was just so funny. And, and I, like, it's it, it just, he hit it so hard. And in the way that you would least want to land on a car and then the ground. Like, it just, it reminded me of, like, a YouTube video where we're just, like, because he lands, like, Worst face, fails. Yeah. face first, almost feels like he bends back the wrong way and just flops on the ground. It was, like, a Family Guy skit where, like, somebody falls in, like, one frame of animation. Like, yeah. like I was, <laughs> 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 you know, I, I think it threw, for me, it threw the movie into a bit of relief because mm-hmm. this movie goes for it, man. And there is not an ounce of real levity. Apparently that's what saved it from the uh, equivalent of an NC 17 rating was a bit of that comedy, the comedy that contains in it, that levity just toned down the amount of violence mm-hmm. and gore. And do you think, do you think that's why they kept cutting back to, um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern there in the car. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, the first time I watched it through, uh, by the end of it, I thought that they would give a little, even a, like scoop out a little more storyline with them too. Mm-hmm. Um, the goth girl and the prom boy. Yeah, I Jamie, really Jamie, thought I think his name was Jamie and Holly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Holly Valentine. Holly Valentine and Jamie. Buddy Valentine friend. sounds like such a made-up name, too. Anyway, I love it. I, no, um, that's good. Especially for a goth chick. And she was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. She really, really was. Um, but, they, yeah, they kept, <coughs> they kept cutting back to this scene. Without much storyline at all. No. It's like, these two kids are getting drunk and stoned, period. And they're getting drunk and stoned, and then they go to the prom like they were supposed to, or an end-of-year dance. For, like, ten minutes. For, they dance... She starts giving him a handy J on the dance floor, <laughs> and then they go back to his car and have sex, and then he takes her home. Uh, and uh, like really, nothing happens. Their whole was, night, nothing really. I was happens. wondering if I was. This is what I was wondering when I was watching the film. I wonder if this is if the director and the writer uh, James was it James Byrne or or God, what was this? Byrne parts, right? Sean Byrne. Excuse Sean me, Byrne. Sean Byrne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's got no? Who's got no other films to his credit? This is he was uh, a little no other feature lengths. Yeah. No feature lengths. Yeah, which so, I hope to God this guy makes more films. I want another one. I want something, something else. Can. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because this is great. It, written and directed, and it's this great. Come yeah. on, man, keep and going. This great. I don't care what it is. You can write and direct and film whatever you want. I'm in. <laughs> I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. but anyways, uh, I thought that maybe, maybe the point of this was to show two people. Two set two different couples going to a dance. Yeah, one has a typical. Well, a, 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 these two, the the uh, Holly, it's only slightly delinquent. It's only slightly. yeah, it's only slightly delinquent. But whatever, they're they're young. They're going to the end of year dance. 
um, like Holly is definitely a very damaged woman, mm-hmm. but at the same time, once you learn the source of that, it makes a lot of sense why she would be so upset. Um, yeah. Like at all times, just like a general funk in the distance that she has with her parents. But, uh, but anyways, the, the point is, and then on the other hand, you have the more traditional, maybe a more traditional couple, boyfriend and girlfriend going to the end of your dance who go start the day with the exact same expectations mm-hmm. and end in a completely different place. And they kept, so for all this torture and, and pain, the mother's worried his girlfriend who was meeting him at the house, he's not there. Where is he? Nobody knows where he is. They're freaked out. They're scared. They're sad. What's going on? Brent's getting tortured. Is fighting for his life. Then we keep cutting back to the two people that are having a typical, a typical. Yeah, the way that his prom night should have went. It should like, have went completely normal. Yeah. There's even scenes where they are cutting from one to the other, where you're almost confused which one they're at, and they're um, panning down from the glitter ball. Yeah. And you're like, okay, is this going to be their living room or kitchen, dining room, whatever? Because they've decked out their whole house as an end of year dance. Yeah. In what I think is just a permanent end of year dance. It's got a glitter ball and lights and um, garland and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very prom night in the house kind of thing going on. So when they're panning down from that glitter ball you're like oh is this in the dining room again and it pans down over the crowd of students at the actual prom and you're like oh god (laughs) Mm. forgot that prom was actually going on Mm -hmm. that's terrifying i was wondering if that had something to do with it yeah it must but you'd think they'd spend a little more time not driving that home but spending a little more time uh on the normalcy to really draw that contrast into a really stark comparison instead of just kind of peppering it in through there to the point you almost forget them well i was wondering like are these two gonna stumble upon them and come to the rescue what yeah when are they gonna converge like what yeah that's what i I was waiting for the stories to converge and they never did it was just and and i was like all right fine i mean I'll, i'll take it we find out that uh, also, I guess, in the connection is not only are these people friends and they know each other, but Holly's father is the local, the local Flatfoot, the local cop. Yeah. And uh, we find out that uh, that um, Holly's brother went missing. And it's made clear, but subtly clear. And I wish they would have spent another thing. I wish they would have spent a little more time making clear because the first time like you said if you blink you miss it yeah and i did blink and i did miss it the first time yeah or i wasn't sure i I had an idea Mm -hmm. but i wasn't sure that in the beginning the stumbling bleeding gentleman that runs brent and his father's car off the road Mm -hmm. turns out to be holly's missing brother Mm -hmm. so he must have stumbled off into the field and died yeah or something because Lola makes it clear that he was the one that got away and they assume that he died. So we're to assume that he died because no one ever found him. He remained missing and broken family. Number one, Mm -hmm. the car accident that resulted not in his stumbling. You can't blame him entirely for stumbling around. He was semi lobotomized. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute, but (laughs) sorry, the poor guy, you know, it's not his fault that he walked into traffic Mm -hmm. Um, and then creating broken family. Number two, 
with the death of the father in the car accident. And it's interesting because you both have situations where children are in one form or another blaming parents for not... Or, 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 or like one Brent feeling incredibly guilty. He was the one driving and feeling like his mother is blaming him. Holly, more than likely... N- like blaming her father for being the cop and he can't figure out where what, his own son went. where his own son went. Yeah. So you have like these really lyrical plot points that again, they are very subtle. You do have to pay attention to the film while you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Um really cool. It's easy to get distracted with the amount of times you have to look away. I mean, when she drinks that cup of milk and you see that gummy, slimy, gross spit in her mouth, I just about want to yeah, I, I could tell that uh, they were having some fun with those roles because, like, they were going pretty big in some scenes where they were just like really, really frantic and excited, um, which is fine. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So the one, the movie takes a really weird people under the stairs type turn. I don't mean to bust out that one from. No, years that's ago. fine because it totally is. And I mean, the only other. Correlation is deadites in the cabin basement. Deadites in the cabin basement, but or they, zombies in the basement. If you're going to go dead alive, dead alive. Yeah. yeah. So you have they open up this uh, trap door in the the living room, and within it is a pit, and you don't see what's in the pit. You just hear these horrible <laughs> noises. When it first happened, Wes looks at me like I have an answer. And yeah, I'm not I was telling, like, "What is this?" But. It's like the great old ones, and the I great, shrug because like, yeah, that's... like fucking Narlu Thortep's down there, like yeah, totally. That's what it. That's what it. Because mind you, at this point, you're a little more than halfway through the film. You're already completely fucking traumatized yeah. because this girl scares the fuck out of everybody. There's no one that wouldn't be afraid of this psychotic. Oh my gosh, she's a she devil. She's beyond a she devil. Yeah, she devils look at her and go ah, and it, and it's messed up because it's like you're not even clear what she wants. And you're trying to wrap your head around the relationship with her father. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like it's like so. Are you saying you want a boyfriend? But you're not like. There's no point. I would buy that more if if she brought him over there. And then he didn't like her, and then she decided, "Well, now I'm going to do this stuff." Yeah. But it was, but it, but it was like from the moment he got there and got like she kidnapped. She well, she kidnapped. must already know. She's been through this. She's played this before. This I isn't guess. her first rodeo. But like, is were. it just like, like I'm going to pretend like we're together, and then I'm just going to kill you because I really love my father? Like I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But um, so what they do is. Apart from torturing them and doing that specific thing with the vocal cords, so they can't yell, or yell, um, they do this weird sort of lobotomy. And I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what this would do or how they figured out you can do this. I don't even play one on TV, but I do like serial killers. And Jeffrey Dahmer was trying a similar semi-lobotomized kind of tactic with um, cutting a hole in people's skulls mm-hmm. and he was pouring bleach into them at first. Okay. Now it's a lot more subtle the tactic that they were using with boiling water. Boiling water. So what they would do is uh, they would take a drill and drill the center of their uh, forehead which again there's an old woman that's with them or older woman that's with them that has a mm-hmm. mark on her forehead. Bright eyes. Yeah. Bright eyes is what they refer to her as and 
and you and I was I was actually gonna ask you. I was like, "What's with the mark on her head?" Like, I wouldn't have told did, you. Did she fall down the <laughs> stairs or something? And then, um, and then I was like, "You know what? I'm sure this will. I'm sure it'll explain itself." They drill the head, and then I guess they get the boiling water, and then they pour boiling water from a tea kettle into the hole, and I guess that makes them kind of brain dead. Like not dead, but like just kind of, like zombie is not the right word, but kind of yeah it's the idea that you'd want from the older traditional mythological zombie cane farming it, zombie yeah it, de- it definitely seems like higher brain functions are taken away where it just knocks your rattles your brain a tiny bit enough to have your brain scrambled so you're not going to be able to string thoughts together coherently anymore mm-hmm. you're more or less a zombie yeah mentally yeah, and so, uh, like, in this pit is not monsters or creatures or anything like that. It's other survivors, ones that have been captured, lobotomized, their vocal cords stripped, essentially, yeah, and then put into this pit where they're treated like animals. And you would have to assume that some of them have probably been there for... Years, like some, like yeah. like some of those images were people who were children, and so now they've grown up in this pit. Now you don't know if those ones are still alive. You don't know who's who. You don't know what's what. Yeah, and there's like what is there three of them? Three of them. Three yeah. of them in the pit, and yeah. <clears throat> she shows you a scrapbook of, gosh, like maybe ten gentlemen, ten, yeah. maybe a dozen dudes. Um, so if there's only three of them in the pit, and she's already said, like, she alludes to one of them as boring and the one that got away. So she probably has, like, her little stories for each of them. Yeah. Um, and the ones that were very, very young, let's, she was probably inexperienced with this whole technique of kidnapping, torturing, and keeping boys, which is just yeah. so but these, horrible. The, it's, it's, it's crazy, and... Uh, these these um, boys are have basically they're feral they're yeah. they're animals they they can't speak they've been in the darkness for so long and uh, they're starved they're all emaciated I always find one of the more fun explanations for people who you keep in your basement as animals like that <laughs> why they're not all there not only because they've been tortured and traumatized um, if you're they're feeding them roadkill. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're if eating like rodents and stuff like that, you would get um, like a, that trappers mad trappers disease. It's a rabbit fever, or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's from eating too much rabbits, too much wild game, mm-hmm. or especially if it's raw. There's yeah. some neurotoxins contained in that meat. So if they're being fed roadkill, raw roadkill, they definitely have been subjected. To these yeah. neurotoxins, so they're rabid, probably too. Who knows? It could be rabid. Yeah, but uh, so he gets tossed. Well, Daddy Stone eventually gets tossed down there. Yeah, and, there's an epic fight, and that's uh, where he ends up. Yeah, eventually uh, Brent finds the will to escape, and uh, just like, oh man, like, like, I like in that one moment, I was like, he looked like such a badass to me. He had a knife in one hand and a drill in the other. Yeah, and he just hoofs the drill in the guy's fucking face and then like stabs him so many times like stabbing somebody like it was great because like it was like you know in horror movies where like they'll stab somebody once and then like back away with the knife and the knife still in the other body and then if it's the killer these guys are fucking hardcore yeah they just pull that knife out and they're like blah blah this guy 
man, does he stab that dude. Oh, yeah. All of his frustration from being tortured for all this time. Yeah. And a lot of his leftover pent-up frustration that he was probably getting out rock climbing before, but yeah. just of his own life issues, all come out in that guy's neck. He's <laughs> just knife. like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And, and, and he fights with uh, Lola, like punches her a few times. This is the part that I thought was interesting. Because uh, once he overpowers Daddy Stone and stabs him several times in the neck, like in the body and in the neck, and in the neck, like he he's stabbing his neck so much. Yeah, he wants to kill him, period. He doesn't want this guy coming back. But when he punches Lola a bunch of times and like temporarily knocks her out, Mm -hmm. he literally turns his attention away from her and he's like, now I'm going to get you, Daddy Stone. But I was like, do you think that's some sort of subtle, well, he's the guy, therefore he's the most dangerous? Even though like, Daddy Stone is already like like I'm like that dude is going to die. Yeah, like, he is definitely going to bleed to death anyway. Like 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 <clears throat> his jugular was torn the f open. He was going to. And he wasn't coming at him either. He wasn't really a threat yeah. at that point. No, not no. He was like stunned and dazed and bleeding to death. The, uh, ha, uh, Lola, on the other hand, like yeah yeah, she's a smaller woman and stuff like that. But like you're also dealing with somebody who is absolutely prepared to kill you. Yeah, the, and 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 I think that's the one thing that when I'm when when and he, he knows he didn't punch her to death. He punched no, her twice. He punched her twice, and yeah. that was it. And so I was like, the one thing that when I'm watching horror films that when they're not dealing with like a supernatural killer, like yeah. a uh, like a Jason Voorhees, when they're dealing with other people, mm-hmm. just regular people, um, I, I was like, uh, and I'm watching the fight, and I'm like, man, like you're fighting someone who. There's always a part of us, a civilized person, who, when push comes to shove, maybe we could kill somebody. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I don't think I could ever. I don't think I could. I, I mean, I've never been put to the test. I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't think I could. And so I feel like if someone was come at me with the intention to kill me, with the absolute intention to kill me, I feel like the person with the intention to subdue. Is at an extreme disadvantage because because someone's willing to do something to you to end your life as opposed to like, well, I'll just try to restrain them. So I yeah. feel like a fight between someone like Lola would be terrifying because like even if you're bigger than they are and, and you could throw your weight around a little bit, like – She'll, they she'll, are going she, to kill. You she, need to kill her. She, it's, like, yeah. it's like she will bite your throat out, man. She, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Like this is someone who will rip your eyes out, who will bite your throat out, that will choke you to death and not think twice about it. What and, I love is that you're already convinced of that by that point in the film. Yeah, and you don't even need to see the rest and where it's really shown. And yeah, where she shines. But yeah, um, so like you 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 alluded to the fact that maybe. He doesn't want to punch her out because she's a she's a girl. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, well, he's already being given shit by Daddy Stone about hitting women. That's why he had his feet st- uh, nailed with knives to the floor because, yeah. because he had hit a girl. Yeah. Um, and so that's already like Daddy Stone's already drilled into him. I think a lot of what it is why he so abruptly subdues her for the moment and he knows he's only subdued her for a moment he he knows that he didn't punch her to death he knows that she's probably gonna get up any minute he he knows that also because she's a fucking psycho 
Um, he punches her twice, knocks her out. I don't even think she goes limp. I think he just, like, stuns her. Yeah. And then gets back up and turns on Daddy, who's not coming at him, who's not really a threat. I think what I thought in that immediate moment is that he is blaming a lot of Daddy Stone for the way Lola is. He's been to school with this girl. He's thought of her as, like, this meek little thing. Probably all through school, because this is their final year. This is their graduation. They're graduate. They're old. They're like 18, 19, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the look on his face is like, you bastard. Yeah. Sort of look. I wish that he had a line or two there. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, sorry about your throat, sir. Yeah. But I think that he really wants to dispatch daddy entirely for the way that Lola is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's, the, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I just thought it was interesting because in my mind, like as the third party watching it, mm-hmm. I, I, I I would almost kind of look at it as like, no, daddy's done, man. You, like, health bar is gone. You don't need that last moment of, like, honestly, by the time he shoves, he pushes him down into that pit, I, I was like, I feel like daddy was dead before he hit the floor. Oh, totally, Like, he just yeah. limply drops down and then out of the shadows comes the other boys that have been locked down there and they just they eat them yeah they eat them straight up the Um, moment that lola pounces on him though uh i sort of saw that coming oh because he hadn't been dispatched and they need to uh, unfortunately i i figured he would end up in the pit because i didn't see i didn't i I didn't see that coming because here's well you can't escape yet the movie's not over well that was the thing and and that was interesting about this movie because i was when I was getting to it, I was like, man, he's getting tortured. And, oh, man, they're going for this. And, oh, man. And I was like, where's rescue over the hill? Nobody knows where he is. No one could fathom where he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and I was like, and now he's in the pit. How's he get out of that? And, and, and as he's got nothing there. And, uh, I mean, the, the other boys are down there, and they do turn on him quickly. But, I, like, I, I wasn't surprised that he dispatched them easily. A... There, oh, was, there yeah. was weapons down there. He's primed now. Yeah, but like you're talking about a boy who's been tortured, but who also is a healthy is healthier. Just straight up, like people. Oh yeah, the people, guys in the pit are 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 no like threat. They're just they're yeah, emaciated. I, I mean, if you were to lie tired. there quietly, I'm sure they would eat you. But like, <laughs> if, but like you could like he clearly like just bashes their head in. Oh yeah. Totally. Immediately. Um, and they don't really expect it to. They've had a fairly quiet life down in the pit, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, uh, And they're very, they're afraid of, they're, they, they're very um, conditioned. Like, they're afraid yeah. of light. They're afraid of... Uh, they're cave dwellers at this point. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Loud noises would probably freak them out pretty bad, let alone light. Yeah. The uh, weapons. Seeing, like, seeing a, a healthy, fully mobile human down there would probably... They also just gorged on daddy, so they've got full tummies and they're moving a little slower, like a turkey dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was, um, yeah, so uh, I was wondering, what, I was like, how are, they, how are they doing this? Like, what the fuck's going on? And then, like, and then uh, when uh, the, the poli- uh, police, uh, a police officer, there's never. <laughs> I, I love hate that. I really, it's like, I, I try to not talk to my television when I'm watching horror movies. I try to not be like. Yeah. You know, don't look out the window. Don't go out that door. Lock yeah. that door. Don't go in there. I try to not do that. But I had to be like, call for backup, Mr. Policeman. Call yeah. for backup. 
That's Any what cop they, in the planet. That's what they call for backup. That's what they do. Blood everywhere. Call for backup. Yeah. Call for backup. I mean, I, I, I suppose like you could you could excuse a lot of times because maybe you could think that well the cops there's no time there's a, like I I maybe maybe there's but I, but I was like I don't know like the, the police officers are trained <coughs> they're trained to. To do the call for backup. That's the first thing you do in a situation where you don't go and by yourself. No, never. And even if even if you're going to be that dumb-ass cop that does go in by yourself, you've usually called for backup. <laughs> and they're on their way, but you're going to go in because this is like, they're, they're there, and you, they, they might get away, and you got to do your job, and you have called for backup, so someone's on the way, and you hopefully won't get yourself too far into the shit before mm. your backup arrives. But no, he just goes on in. Blood everywhere. And possible, he, he knows kind of what's going on. This boy's been missing now for, like, probably 12 hours. Yeah. Because it's getting awfully late in the evening. Oh, for sure. It's like the sun's coming up soon. Yeah. And he's been gone since before dinner. So they know that something terrible has happened. They He rushes there with a only, like, they only have, a, like, a little hint. It's quite elegant how they figure out where he is. And it's quite elegant how the different families become involved in his rescue mm-hmm. in this small, small way. Yeah. But uh, he knows that something horrible has happened before he even goes out there and he gets confirmation of that. There's blood everywhere. Literally oh, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That poor cop. Yeah. I knew uh, he'd bite it immediately, too. Oh, yeah. He gets it, like... Yeah, he gets it good. Yeah. So, uh... But we... we Like, you, you expect that. It's like, you know, here comes the one guy... And because because again, in 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 these final girl situations, and in this case, a final boy situation, you can't be rescued. You have to you you honestly have to do it yourself. Not that you have to, but that's the the literary mm-hmm. techniques that they use. Uh, um, if uh, he was down there and the cop came, killed the bad guy, and then pulled you out of the tunnel. Well, then he didn't really go through the journey that he needed to go through. Didn't happen. Yeah. So, especially like, when he has his final rebirth. Yeah, his final rebirth, which it very much is that, and it's and it's wonderfully done. The, mm-hmm. the way he gets out, and and you know that by the time he emerges from that pit after Lola has has said, "I am going, I am going to your house. I'm going to kill your mother, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to your girlfriend's house, and I'm going to kill her." And then, and then, you know, it's on like Donkey Kong, man. Oh shit! Like it, he, he's reached his zenith. Because absolute shit, he can take it yeah. one day. Yeah, and it was wonderful because you thought it was that breaking point, and and there was these moments where he's just sitting in that pit amongst all that death. And again, I say this every podcast. I can't imagine what that pit smells like. <laughs> but because, because I, like, every time I see something, I'm like, oh, what, is, what does that smell like? <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom down there. There's no toiletries. Anyways, um, I'm sorry. I'm such a press. There was a bucket eventually because someone got one thrown down there at them. They're like, sweet, I got something to play. But he's, he's <laughs> giving, there's a point in which he looks like he has completely given up. He's got his flashlight. He's flashing it on and off. And he's just sitting there. But it was that threat of like... My mother. Yeah, it's not just you. It's not that's not you lose, anymore. You lose your life. It's it's now your 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 mother and now your girlfriend, people that you genuinely care for and love. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, he stacks bodies up on top of each other. On the bone pile. On the bone pile, and he just emerges from that pit himself. And then he's just, like... Ven- revenge-oriented person who needs to set things right, and the only way to do that is to kill the fuck out of Lola. Mm-hmm. Who, at this point, is... is doesn't care anymore. She There is no hiding. She is walking down the middle of the road in a bloody dress. Singing songs. Singing songs. And she is ready to go on... Knife in hand. What you would assume is her final rampage. Yeah. But uh, it's it's like one of those things where she's like... She's going for broke. It's just... Oh, yeah. She's going in berserk. She's just... Yeah. She will slaughter the whole town if she needs to get it all out. I, w- I would assume that if she encounters anyone, she will. And she mm-hmm. does encounter uh, Brent's uh, girlfriend, who... Hasn't gotten a lot of screen time in in the film, but again, much like uh, much like uh, the woman that played Brent's mother, it's very subdued, but it's very good. Yeah, it's very believable. Um, little tiny power pack lines, little tiny power pack scenes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, when she was like like trying to, I guess, take that dog to the to the vet or something like that yeah. to save it, and the dog dies. Oh my god, I was gonna cry. I thought the 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 one like I know I, I like not that. Animal cruelty in film bothers me terribly personally. Yeah. I don't condone it and I don't like it. I certainly don't like it. Nobody does. But it doesn't make me dislike a film or I don't like feel like I was tricked into watching it. I don't, mm. you know, it doesn't hurt me too badly. Yeah. But I do worry for those who can't handle that and don't like can't watch a film with that and really get mm-hmm. um, would be personally offended if I ever recommended yeah. to them a film that had yeah, animal cruelty in it and they can't. So for I mean, those who it, can't, don't. It's not graphic. No. But I mean, it, it's right it, at the beginning. Too. It's right at the beginning. Yeah. It's not graphic. Um, but I, I mean, like the dog. I, I like. I was. I was watching. I was like, okay, the dog's okay. It's the, it's an acting dog. It's acting. It's it's okay. This dog is fine. But like, I felt so bad. I was just like, oh man. I'm glad it wasn't like a an elevated emotional state because I might. And I'm not even like I'm not. Yeah, like. I, I'm usually okay, but for some reason I was like, oh, it's so sad. It seemed like such a good dog. It was such an awesome dog. And there was a like, scene right immediately preceding that was just like, oh, man, that dog's the best. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what it was. I was yeah. like, oh, that dog's so nice. And they're like, oh, yeah. that dog. It does play an important plot device to immediately relay to you who it is you're dealing with. Some really heartless, cold, oh my God, fucking yeah. killers. And, and, and also indicates that he didn't just run off. No. It's, it, it, there's no way he just ran off. Something is up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives that immediacy to his to Brent's family and girlfriend that something is dreadfully, horribly, terribly wrong because the best dog in the world just came back with a, a head wound. Alone. No, absolutely. So, um, so uh, oh my god, we were calling the 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 rocker chick uh, Holly Valentine. She was Mia Valentine. Holly was his girlfriend. Was his girlfriend's name? Oh my god! Well, here we are. Here we are. Mia and Jamie. Yeah, Mia and Jamie. Sorry, everybody. Whatever. It's my first day. (laughs) Um, No, but uh, Holly um, is a girlfriend uh, played by Victoria Thane, who we've been referring to at this point up until now as the girlfriend. As the girlfriend, I know. So I guess I guess it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really matter. Well, they don't use their names nearly that's enough. The, that's the thing. At this point, Lola is probably, like, exhausted, freaked out. She's, like, at the peak of madness right now because her father's been killed. Uh, she killed Bright Eyes. 
Like, like basically, her plans, this is not how this goes. Oh, yeah, no, she's pissed. So she has a really frantic fight, and I feel like, uh, I feel like Holly really, um, like, considering the fact that you're driving, you're driving, you're driving, someone shows up, bloody dress, flail at you knife, I was like, handles it pretty well. Like, you know, she's fighting for her life, <coughs> gets out to the road, um, and then starts to run. And then in comes Brent and just mows Lola the fuck over with his car. Thank and, God, too. Yeah. And uh, and and then she uh, gets in the car and is terrified about what she sees. Like, for, at first, she doesn't even really recognize him. Oh, yeah, but, no, he looks fucked right up. Yeah, he's covered in dried blood. He's filthy. He's got a horrible scar on his forehead now because getting drilled in the forehead. Um, yeah. She's just as terrified. She's almost more terrified seeing him and seeing someone she loved and cared about put through that sort of torture yeah. just because you can tell a lot of what he's gone through by the way he looks and the way he smells. Because I'm sure he smells horrible. Prob- as, he probably does. Yeah. So she is like way more horrified on seeing him and reacts way more terrified and just recoils and almost can't stop exclaiming, like screaming and making horribly scared, weird, weepy noises. Um, Then when she saw Lola, because when she saw Lola, she was just like, the fuck? I need to fend this off. Oh, my God. She wasn't terrified, and Lola is pretty much just as bloodied and messed up. Yeah. Especially with her lovely bloody nose that she's got. She she did get cracked in the nose. Um, I like that she doesn't clean herself up either. No. Because you know what? Some girls, you know, don't look in a mirror 24 times a day. She spends a lot of time in the mirror getting ready for her A lot of sparkles. Prom, a lot of pink. Unquote, a lot of sparkles. Prom. A lot of pink. Really nicely done nails. She matches. Things oh, yeah. match a great uh, eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't fawn over her appearance for the rest of the film. Oh, my God. She doesn't give a shit, you know. It's yeah. totally not on her radar. What's on her radar yeah. is Brent <laughs> yeah. being a lobotomized boyfriend doll zombie. Yeah, and That's all she cares about, and and then all she cares about is getting bloody revenge. I I did dig that uh, that the fact that like once her game went hor- horribly wrong, it wasn't enough. It was like I'm just gonna kill you. That's not mm-hmm. enough. I need to hurt you in a way that she's probably never had to do. Yeah, like a two person radius, man. I'm gonna yeah <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna fuck your life up, even though you can't even yeah. witness it, because apparently in her mind he's forever in the pit like the other mm-hmm. boys have been forever in the pit mm-hmm. um i like they didn't really sexualize any of the girls even the sex scenes weren't sexualized like they were sexy because yeah. there was naked humans and stuff yeah. um any of this and the sexual uh content wasn't overly sexualized uh, but again it's really like, natural like all the women in this film had complete agency mm-hmm. they, it was they wanted to have sex and they controlled when that happened yeah um uh, the women were the ones that, um, like like Holly, for example, was the one that gave the clue mm-hmm. to get to to get the the police officer there. I mean, all the good that he did, but some good he tried, some good, and and um, um, so like it's it's important to show. There was there was competent women in the film. There was well written women in the film. Uh, Brent's mother we haven't talked about, but 
it was it was well we talked a little bit but like it was very believable oh yeah and she had for the very minimal lines she has a lot to say with her eyes yep um in the few scenes that she's in but an extremely complex character yeah for just what little tiny amount that she's actually in the film yeah. and what little that she brings to the story yeah but like she and, is and, just as an important player as anyone else in the film you know the the idea that this is a woman who you look at her and you could see just like the, the a completely joyless woman, we don't get to spend any time with her before her husband would have died. Not at all. But but we see is very very frumpy, very tired looking, very just given up. Oh, just, just exhausted. Just, exhausted. Like constantly and and dealing with the complicated issue of my son was driving the car that killed my husband, and. And again, and I'm here to support him through his loss of a father. But but like I lost my partner, my best friend, and it was at his hands. And I can't say it was his fault, but it was his fault. And even uh, Holly, his girlfriend, asks him, "Like, do you blame him?" Um, and it's like this incredibly complicated question that doesn't have like a, a it doesn't have a satisfying answer because if you probably, you know what I mean, like like, but you can't. But Probably, but she doesn't want to. She, it's like one yeah. of those things where you don't... It's sort of like how I feel about the incestuous relationship between Daddy and Lola. That yeah. I know what's going on there. I don't want to know what's going on there. Oh, and yeah. I don't want That's to think about up. it, but I can't help but think about it. It's She can't help but have that tiny shred of, of guilt over feeling that he may be responsible. But at the same time, being his mom is feels torn that he would feel guilty whether he does or not and she's probably never wants to ask him so there's probably like a lot of these unsaids going on between them all mm. she knows is he doesn't she doesn't want him to get in a car yeah. and that just raises all of those untalked about topics yeah just trust him to drive that's for certain yeah or scared she'll lose him too mm-hmm. all those all those things are said in that one question she's posed and she gives no answer. That's all answered in just the few looks that she gives. And the way that she is just really done. I, I want to see this actress in something else. Sort of like how... I would like to see them all in something else. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, They're all I, great. I, I want to see the director do another movie. I want to see all these actors in other movies. Mm-hmm. I want to see what they bring to it. Because, for honestly, for this, the, the, they brought a lot to this script, which was really tight. Oh, super um, tight. And and uh, they did a lot with no dialogue. This this movie is just fantastic, and it's gotten a really good response on um, was it Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, it's- the highest one of the highest ratings. Like I don't go there a lot, and I don't like really rely on ratings. But I've um, yeah, me either. Yeah, I had a few speaking. Rotten Tomatoes ratings tossed around for movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Shining and stuff like that. Yep. This is like something like ninety six or ninety seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is astoundingly high i've mm-hmm. never I, I don't recall seeing a film on mm-hmm. Tomatoes with such a high rating the, the, the budget um the budget was uh about four million for this but unfortunately it didn't really make that back now that was in australia it, it made about less than a million which is a damn shame oh completely and, and shocking to me uh like and, and i really hope i hope that maybe through home video that it's made a little bit more money, but more people should... Like, if that is the box office, that is a good indication about how many people have not seen this film. Yeah, way too many. Billions, yeah. trillions. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I think that conclusively, 
it's a really strong piece of work, and I think as horror fans, you definitely owe it to yourself to check it out. Yeah, if you're one of those people who are turned off by film that you would term maybe torture porn, you've watched 120 Saws and Hostels, and you don't like that, um, mm-hmm. or you've just like you've you've learned that you don't like that mm-hmm. probably sometimes because the storyline ends up being incredibly bleak yeah um usually the torture porn and i really don't like using that term but it's I, I all i got term, right but, now uh, but yeah. I, I know it's it's one of those things that i don't i like torture porn i don't like when people call it torture porn i don't like revenge porn i don't like yeah. any time when when that term is thrown around not because i have a problem with porn but because i have a problem with the implication that you're only looking for a money shot and you're only looking for instant gratification of violence, that's yeah. not... No. I just feel like that's not fair. It's not that we need that sort of torture-heavy horror as a payoff for us. We want that torture-heavy horror to be the payoff for the storyline. We want it to really, you know, touch us and drive us home. It's not that we're desensitized. No, We can watch films not. with very little to no torture or gore action at all and get the same sort of payoff if it's written really, really well. A really good torture-heavy horror has a really strong storyline that mm-hmm. gives us... It's, it's easier for us to put ourselves in that person's shoes because we're seeing all of this horrible torment that they're put through and what strength is tested and then to see it come out of someone who's almost reduced to almost nothing, um, you know how exhausted and in pain that they are, and they still persist. Mm -hmm. Uh, A good example of something, if you're going to write, if anyone's ever going to rail on torture porn and then go watch Die Hard Mm -hmm. or... um, Any of the Rambo movies, like... Oh, what's that one? My favorite, The Raid Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to turn around and rail on torture porn and then go watch action films that are torture and gore heavy and die hard. I watched it just recently. Um, and was remind every, like every time I watch it, it's like every time I watch it, I forget how horribly gory and what, um, what strength is tested within him. Like really, um, that's what the payoff is. The payoff isn't getting to see all that blood spilled. The payoff is that all that blood was spilled and they still, keep coming at it and they still get out of their situation yeah but a lot of those stories are really really bleak the gore is prevalent but it's not over the top and it's never gore for the sake of gore there's really reasons for every single thing yeah once you learn that there there is a process to this and i I suppose because i because i remember asking uh, when i was watching the the film i was like what is her fucking end game like what is what is she doing (laughs) wasn't it fun to find out wasn't it interesting? People, people under the stairs. So basically what you're saying is that violence in and gore in service to the narrative of a film like this is going to elevate everything. The violence is necessary mm-hmm. to push the story forward, to focus on this guy's journey, and to... And to delve into the psychology of this woman. And for you to realize how incredibly twisted and sick she is. Which I think that they really accomplish well. It's not without rhyme or reason, too. There really is 
well-honed reasons why she's doing everything that she's doing. Very, very warped, very, very twisted. Mm-hmm. And it's reflected in every single line. Yeah. I can't help but wonder, like, what do you do after after he'd been through all that? Like, what's what's your next step? You just, like, I guess you go to the hospital. Oh, shit, man. Oh, yeah, that's immediately where, like, you know, when they go to the mom's house, it's like, she should be, the girlfriend should be like, we need to go to the hospital right now. Call the police. Yeah. To go and rescue the police. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he, he needs some sort of, like, maybe reconstructive surgery. Maybe I'll leave all his little scars and big scars to remind him what he'd gone through. Um, maybe he will find the men in black to wipe his memory. I wonder if they, like, if he sees his friend, this is like, he was like, hey, man. Like, how was your night? How was your night? I fucking got to, like, I got high and drunk with that hot goth chick, and we fucked, and it was great. And I uh, saw his dad, and he's like, yeah, her dad, her dad's dead now. <laughs> and yeah. I had a terrible night. But you're forgetting one important thing here. What was that? He can't talk. Truth. He can't talk. I really was wondering about that. I was like, I hope he can. I don't know. Yeah, we looked it up after. There is a vocal cord reconstructive surgery. You can have vocal cord replacement surgery yeah. now. Um, Could their family afford Do they have free health care in uh, Australia? Well, I don't know what her... Uh, do they have free health care in Australia? I believe they have a model similar to ours. I'd have to look that up. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that his dad had an okay pension because they had, like, a car and a nice home and things like that. Probably yeah, that's true. Pretty well taken care of. And what he's been through, they could, you know, maybe sue the estate of. And, and you know, it's crazy to think because it is such a small town and they are so isolated, but no one realizes how much safer the town is now. Oh my God. Like, and the surrounding countryside. All these missing children and teenagers. All this source of misery. Like people's dis- dispositions tearing families apart in this town. The epicenter of it all is the Stone family. And she's picking off boys her own age at all stages of her life. Yeah. So it's only like this really particular M.O. Um, this particular profile that she's plucking off. So sad. Um, it's another switch from the family that's hunting women, which is nice to see women not victimized again. It is It manner. is nice. And and again, this is, this is one of those things where there's a lot of tropes. There's a lot of tropes in this film that are just being gender reversed. I don't think these things are flipped. It's not like, hey, let's take this and flip it. We'll take this and flip it, and then we'll see what happens. They, It's all due to the central thread of the story. Yeah. Just because of Lola, who she is. All these things just sort of fall into place. Yeah. They wouldn't make sense any other way. Yeah. So, yeah, across the board, everyone does a great job. This is a great film, and you should check it out. Mm-hmm. I like it. On that note, I'm Wes Knight. I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.